Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. Now, the e-commerce podcast is all about helping you to deliver e-commerce wow. And to help us do just that, I am chatting today with Omer Zenholm from Webinar Ninja. And we are going to dig into his story about how a successful entrepreneur learned what it took to succeed. But before we jump into that, let me suggest a few of the uh, e-commerce podcast episodes to listen to from our back catalogue that I think you're going to enjoy as well. Uh, Podcast number one, try Jared Mitchell's conversation uh, where we talked about an e-commerce success story. He's such a legend, Jared. You're not going to want to miss that one if you've not heard it already, or even if you have. Check it out. He's like I say, top bloke. Uh, and the other one, Heike Haldra. This is going back a few seasons, but still a fantastic conversation. Still one of the most listened to podcast episodes. Uh, three top tips uh, for startup success. So you're not going to want to miss that conversation with Heike. Now, this episode is brought to you by the fantastic e-commerce cohort, which helps you practically to deliver e-commerce wow to your customers. If you're not sure what the e-commerce cohort is, well, let me tell you, it is a mastermind group that you can join, but it's a mastermind group with a twist, with a difference. It works on the idea of weekly sprints, short, sort of easy, digestible content that you can use to build and grow your own online business. There is expert coaching, there are topics covered and deep dived into. You can share your work. You can get peer accountability. There is all kinds of stuff that is going on in there, all designed to help you just grow your e-commerce business. The cool thing is it's pretty lightweight. It's light touch. uh, And so you can do it at your own pace, but you are going to be in a community of like-minded people. So whether you are just starting out in e-commerce or if like me, you're a well-established e-commercer, you've been around a while, uh, then I encourage you do check it out. Honestly, you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, Ecommercecohort.com. I think it's brilliant. Uh, I'm going to be in there. That's for sure. So do check it out, ecommercecohort.com. Or any questions, just email me, matt at ecommercepodcast.net with any questions. I'll try and I'll try and answer them uh, as best as I can, which by the way, nicely leads me on to uh, our website. <laughs> if you want to see our back catalogue, check all of those things out, head over to ecommercepodcast.net. Now, without further ado, here is my conversation with Omar. Well, it's great to be here with Omar. Now, Omar is the co-founder and CEO of Webinar Ninja, which has to be one of the coolest names uh, for a company on the planet. He uh, founded the company in 2014 and has since grown to become one of the world's leading webinar platforms. I have used Webinar Ninja. Uh, Over a million people, including me, have attended a webinar on Webinar Ninja, and uh, and the company was named one of the fastest growing SaaS companies back in 2018. But as we are going to learn, business hasn't always been sunshine and rainbows. We're going to get into his story. Uh, But in addition to his work at Webinar Ninja, Omar is also the host of the $100 MBA show. And he was kind enough to have me as one of the 1,300 uh, episodes, which is now on iTunes. It was the iTunes uh, best podcast in 2014. It's been downloaded an insane amount of times, over 90 million times. 
and ranked as a top business podcast in over 30 countries. <laughs> wow. I have slight podcast envy, slight podcast fandom, stardom, whatever you call it. Omar, thank you for joining me. It's great to have you. Uh, and after uh, being on your show and after reading those stats, I'm, I'm stoked, man, that you, you've taken the time to join us. Thank you so much for being here. I'm happy to be here, Matt. You're a legend. Now, you are, in fact, a legend from uh, dialing in from Sydney, uh, Australia. Uh, and I'm, I'm just amazed at the technology which allows us to do this. Uh, now, we're using a platform called Riverside. But obviously, you've been in this game for a little while with Webinar Ninja, this whole video sort of streaming thing. How did you, how did you do that? Did you just wake up one day and thought, you know what, I'm just going to conquer the world of webinars? Uh... Not exactly, actually. I kind of stumbled into it. Um, before I became a full-time entrepreneur, I was a high school and university educator. I was a teacher. I taught students okay. five times a day, uh, and uh, that's what I did all my for 13 years. Um, so teaching was my jam, and this is what I love to do. When I made the transition into full-time entrepreneurship, uh, I was just in love with the concept of being able to teach at scale with webinars. Um, I was running a lot of webinars to grow our community at the $100 MBA. And I just hated all the other uh, options out there for running webinars. Uh, but not only that, uh, you know, uh, when people start writing webinars, start to realize, you know, it, there's a lot of moving parts, there's other pieces of software, you need to have them all Frankenstein together, whether it's landing page software or recording software, video software, or the streaming software or email marketing. And there's all this other mm -hmm. stuff that goes into it. Um, so I actually uh, would spend two hours every week to run my webinar to put it all together. Uh, initially, I actually ran, I ran a, a, pro a product. I launched a product called the DIY Webinar Guide. Uh, to, and I documented every step of the way of me putting these webinars okay. together. And that product was a total flop. Like nobody bought it. Uh, I actually had two sales, and one sale was a chargeback, so it was not even. Oh, like wow. So and the second sale was uh, was like a sympathy sale with a friend of mine who was just interested in what I was doing. Wow. Um, but what that taught me was uh, was basically what Ben Horowitz calls. Uh, sometimes you have to create a bad product to create a good one. It taught me that people don't want to know how to do it. They just want it done for them. They want they don't want to do the work. So uh, I started, you know, messing around. I'm a very amateur uh, engineer or developer. I, I put together, um, you know, a very simple PHP uh, HTML kind of app where I ran my own webinars with. The people that are running my webinars or on my webinars are asking me what I'm using for this, and I just said something I slapped together. And then they asked me, "Do you can I buy this thing? Can I buy the software you're using?" And I was okay. like, "Oh, okay." Um, learning the lesson from the first failure, you know, you know, don't mm -hmm. work four months on something and not be sure and have you know idea validation <laughs> that people actually want this thing. Yeah, I yeah, pre-sold yeah. it. I actually put uh, together a landing page, and I uh, put up the mockups of the design of this of the of what I thought would be a good solution. And I told people this would be ready in about. Uh, four months, if you want to put down some money, um, I can, I basically created my own Kickstarter and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we sold out 150 spots in 48 hours and we realized, okay, this is striking a nerve. People hate their webinar solution to the point where they're willing to put money down on the promise of something better. Yeah. So that kind of gave us validation and gave us some funding to kind of get going. And, uh, the rest is history. 
That's fascinating. So uh, I'm just going to oversimplify here. You, you, you. So, because so many stories for entrepreneurs come out of, I was doing this. It was annoying me that I had to do this. So I came up with a solution where I didn't have to do that, and lo and behold, somebody else wanted to buy that said solution. Right? It's a, it's a real simple sort of story arc, isn't it? That we that we read a lot about yeah. uh, in entrepreneurs. So I'm I'm curious, right? I, I just want to go back a little bit and clarify a few things so you're a teacher right yep. you're a high school what did you teach if you don't mind me asking? i taught english as a second language okay you should talk to my wife she also has that same qualification loves it teaches refugees and asylum seekers here in the uk and just is her is her thing her jam, rewarding, as you yeah. would call it yeah, yeah yeah unbelievable so here you are you you've got your um we call do you call it a tefl That's yeah what we call i actually it. Yeah, taught yeah. uh uh the uh, TESOL degree uh, part-time to earn money on the side and all that kind of stuff, yeah. Brilliant, there you go. So you're doing that, but did I did I hear right? You're also at the same time doing the $100 MBA show. Well, actually, um, from 2002 to 2012, the, the, the last 10 years of my career as a teacher, I was building... I guess side hustles is what they would call it today. You know, I would build mm. experiments. I had smaller businesses, eBay stores, e-commerce stores. Um, and I was basically learning entrepreneurship by doing. I read a ton of books, uh, get my hands on. You know, this is, you know, from 2002 to 2000 and like, I would say 10, the concept of an online course was not even available. Like, so I, yeah. what I had to my at my disposal were, were, were just the classics books that I could find on the, in the library or books I could find in a bookstore. And that, and just through trial and error, I kind of learned uh, what business is all about and a PNL and how to uh, have a profitable business and marketing and sales and all that kind of stuff. And then I also learned uh, what kind of business I want to be in and what business I don't want to be in, what kind of entrepreneur I'm going to be. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to do that while I was in a job uh, for 10 years. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, at 2012, that, at that period, um, I was doing quite well as a teacher and I was getting promoted. And at the time, I was the chair of the department. I was acting chair, actually, because the person who was in that position went to a different campus. And I was doing that person's job for about uh, you know a year and a half. And I was wondering, hey, when am I going to get this promotion? And when am I going to you know, be able to be the official chair and get the raise and all that stuff? So I went to my supervisor, the dean of the university at the time, and uh, she basically just leveled with me and told me, uh, I know that the director wants to make an outside hire for this position, so I'm sorry, but basically, we've just been stringing you along. And at that <laughs> moment, exactly, I, my frustration just outgrew my fear. Uh, and I just thought, anything is better than this. I felt so powerless. I felt like I don't have control over my destiny. I put in all this work and time and effort. I've given I've given this institution so much that I can't take mm. with me, you know. And uh, I just decided I'm going to you know resign and 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 become a full time entrepreneur at that point. So, and was it at this point you started your podcast, or yes, was that a little bit further down the line? Yeah, yeah. So why hundred dollar MBA? What was the reasoning behind the title? Yeah, um, actually, while I was kind of in that in that transition phase, I was really insecure about being an entrepreneur and starting a business, even though I've been, I built some smaller businesses on the side. Uh, so I thought, let me go back to, to school. Let me get my MBA. Uh, I went to Wharton business school 
uh, which is great business school. And I was really thrilled that I was able to attend. Um, and I only did a semester because in that semester, I learned uh, that, uh, you know, everything they're teaching is kind of outdated. And uh, <laughs> really, I, I was wasting a lot of money. I could have I invested that money into building a business and failed and still got more out of it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and the average, uh, you know, master's of business education, uh, or, uh, is, is about a hundred thousand dollars. So yeah, as a kind of, man. uh, uh, a fun spin to it, I thought I'm going to sell a course, uh, a community for a hundred dollars and, uh, teach just enough to get started. And really, I felt like a lot of people were in my shoes where they just felt like they needed to do something to feel like they have permission to start. So I wanted to give them that something. Mm. That's really interesting. So why podcasting? I mean, why did you why did you decide? Well, I'm going to do something called the Hundred MBA show. I get uh, why you call that now, but why why the yeah. podcast medium? Because this is this is a while ago. This isn't when podcasts were super trendy. Yeah. So it's an interesting story because it's 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 uh, filled with failure. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> as most interesting to... stories are. Yeah, yeah. 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 I um. I went to this conference in Las Vegas at the time. It's called it was called Nubia Expo, and it was 2014 January. At the time, I got to meet all my heroes in blogging and in podcasting and all that kind of stuff. And, and YouTube was kind of blowing up at the time. And uh, I learned about podcasting, and I always wanted to do it. And at the time, we were doing video interviews for the Hundred Dollar MBA program. And at the conference, people were telling me, oh, you can just rip the audio from the video and there you go, a podcast. Obviously, that's not really the best way to do a podcast because that's not what it's mm -hmm. built for. It's not built for the, the audio experience. But we did that and we started a podcast called People Who Know Their Shit. Um, excuse me, French. <laughs> uh, and we did 46 episodes. Unfortunately, the podcast was shit. Um, and we didn't, <laughs> we didn't really knock it out of the park. You know, I, I wanted to start a podcast because I wanted to build an audience of doers of creators of coaches my people so that i can be able to learn yeah. from them what they're struggling with and build solutions and help them out and that's really why i wanted to to have that kind of audience through the podcasting medium and i loved podcasting as a listener because i feel like it's a very intimate relationship with your audience mm. but the podcast was just a total flop it just really didn't do well we really tried our heart our hardest it was 46 episodes we ran it for about six months and at that time, Nicole and I, um, were, we did a road trip uh, to do some freelance work uh, to New York. We, went, we, we drove from San Diego to New York, and we had some time in the open road to just examine, like, why are we doing so bad? You know, like, wh what's going on here? Um, and we realized, you know, the podcast was an interview podcast. It was, you know, a, a format that really doesn't lend itself to our strengths. We realized mm -hmm. in that moment, like, we're not really leveraging our strengths. Like both Nicole and I have great uh, experience as teachers. We both have masters of education. We should be teaching on this podcast. Why are we doing interviews? That's not our strength. Mm -hmm. uh, on top of that, um, Nicole was a big fan of uh, the podcast Coffee Break Spanish and Coffee Break French, which are language learning podcasts that yeah. will teach you a language lesson every day. And uh, we thought no one's really doing this with business, like teaching a small business lesson and just teaching them something to do today so they can move forward in their business or their their life as an entrepreneur. Uh, and that's kind of how the idea of the $100 MBA uh, show was born. Um, and I think the best thing I did before we launched is, and that kind of 
cultivated the idea of how we're going to form the show and how we're going to make it sound and look and all that kind of stuff is I, I really just got honest with myself. I went to iTunes, uh, or, uh, you know, Apple podcasts, and I looked at the top 10 business podcasts and I asked myself at the time was like Tim Ferriss just launched, uh, yeah. you know, Jordan Harbinger and the Jordan Harbinger show. They, they launched their podcast in 2007 before the iPhone, right? How am I going to compete with these guys? How am I going to mm-hmm. compete with the Pat Flynn's of the world or John Lee Dumas, who's like on fire constantly and like revolutionized the podcasting world with his program? Like the dude is like, all he does is win. Like I got to be yeah. real. How am I going to uh, differentiate myself? And I thought to myself, I may not be the best marketer or have the biggest brand, but I'm I'm pretty sure I can teach better than all of them because of my just my my experience mm-hmm. and my my skill set. So that's kind of where I leaned into, where I leaned into what I could do differently. Um, and in fact, when we won Best of iTunes, you know, Apple told us the reason why we won is that we added to the genre of business. Like we we offered something a little bit different. So that was kind of the story. We launched the podcast in April, uh, in August of 2014. Um, and uh, we just kept on working on making sure it's a great show and, and built upon it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, in December of that year, we won Best of iTunes and um, we've been trying to grow and, and help our listeners ever since. So it's been uh, it's been a great ride. Fantastic. Well, I, well I, I've got here a, a few notes already, Omar, in, in terms of stuff that I want to get into. Um, you talked about um, validating your ideas, uh, which uh, I think is quite an important thing. Um, and validating funding. You've talked about leaning in stuff that you're good at and stuff that uh, makes you different. There's a whole lot of stuff to get into. So we are going to be right back with Omar in just a few seconds. Don't go anywhere. Hey there, are you a business owner? Here at Orion Digital, we know firsthand that running an e-commerce business can be really hard work. As the online space gets more competitive, it is becoming even more challenging to stay ahead of the curve. We totally get it. So we want to help you succeed by offering a wide range of services, from fulfillment, marketing, customer service, and even coaching and consulting, just so that you can do what matters most. Save yourself the time and the money and let us handle the day-to-day tasks. This way, you can run your business without having to worry about the boring stuff. So what do you say? Are we a good fit for each other? Come check us out at oriondigital.com and let us know what you think. Okay, Omar, just before we... um we were talking about your your sort of journey into entrepreneurship. We were talking about the the podcast, which I'm a big fan of. And if you don't actually subscribe to the hundred dollar MBA show, do it because it's great. It's it's bite sized content, which is just super practical and helpful. Um, how how have you how have you taken all of these lessons um, uh, over the years? You know, we talked about a few like validating ideas, leaning into things that are different. How have they sort of shaped you into? being the entrepreneur that you are now? It's a good question. I think that through the ups and downs, through the hard lessons, I start to realize that, you know, it's what Derek Sivers says in his book, Anything You Want. When you're an entrepreneur, you get to build your own utopia. There's no one way to do something. There's no right and wrong way. You got to do what's best for you, what's best for the way you want to live your life. You know, you don't have to raise money. You don't have to be self-funded. You don't have, like, there's no one way to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of business. So uh, in the beginning, you're, you're always trying to find the answer. And there's no real 
the answer. <laughs> All it is is that you got to figure out what you want and you got to build the business around that. Uh, and that's really important because uh, when you build a business, you're basically married to your customers for as long as you have this business. So you better really, really enjoy these people, enjoy their company, mm -hmm. enjoy what they talk about. You got to really love it. Um, and it, as long as you do, you you'll every day is going to be exciting. Every day is going to be fun, even through the challenges. And I would recommend you do find something like that because otherwise it's just not going to be worth it. It's going to be so hard. Mm -hmm. You're going to go through so many challenges. You're going to be like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, do something else. So th that's the biggest lesson I learned is that like you got to just make the decisions that's best for you um, and, and, and be okay with that and be okay with, you know, understanding that there will be trade-offs and you're going to make the trade-offs that are, that are uh, suitable for your lifestyle. That's super powerful, right? Because especially in the modern world, with the advent of all the digital courses that we have and all the online information, uh, it almost becomes like I need to copy this person if I want to be deemed successful in my own head. So if you follow someone, I don't know, like Vaynerchuk, you're going to approach life like you're almost like a Vaynerchuk disciple. Do you know what I mean? And you, yeah. you kind of feel like that's the way you have to do it. Um, and this is where a lot of people sort of fail, isn't it? Because they're trying to do it in a way that they think somebody else would do it rather than run their business, their life in a way that actually makes sense for them. Yeah. And also, if you don't do that, you're just going to blend in with everybody else trying to be Gary. You know, mm. you're going to be vanilla. Um, and the best way to kind of prevent that is to be OK with just being who you are. You know, I was fortunate enough to grow up in the, in America where both my parents were immigrants. They both came from Egypt. I was born in the States, but my parents migrated, uh, you know, in the late 60s. And growing up as an immigrant uh, family, uh, you quickly recognize, oh, we're different. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to yeah. grow up in an environment where you look different, you sound different, your parents look different, you have different culture, different language at home. Um, and I, I feel like it's been a blessing that I was, I grew up in that environment because I'm comfortable with not being like everybody else. I'm comfortable with being strange, um, and being an outsider. And as an mm -hmm. entrepreneur, you are an outsider. Like if you ever hang out with family or friends that are not in entrepreneurship, they just think you're weird you know, strange. <laughs> so I feel like I, I've grew up that way. I feel very comfortable that way. I, 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 somewhere around 10, I realized I'm not, it's not worth me trying to make everybody like me, you know, because it's just not going to happen. Um, so you got to be comfortable with that. You just got to be comfortable with the fact that I'm just gonna be myself. I'm, I'm not gonna resonate with everybody, which is a good thing. That means you're going to resonate mm -hmm. very strongly with your people, with the people that actually, uh, really need to hear what you have to say. That's really, I've never thought about it like that. Uh, having immigrant parents, you obviously resonate well with your tribe, don't you? Uh, and uh, bringing that into business, I think, is, is uh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Can I ask, um, in the advent of uh, the sort of the time that we find ourselves living in, were you, if you don't mind me asking, was racism a big issue for you growing up? Um, looking back at it, I probably would label it as people, maybe I experienced racism, but at the time I just thought, you know, that's, that's just the price you got to pay as an immigrant. Like, you know, like mm -hmm. gr growing up my family, you know, my parents just like work hard, put your head down, do your best. You know, if somebody says something, you know, or you're not liked or whatever, it doesn't matter. We have an opportunity here. 
you know, growing up in that environment where your parents sacrificed so much, they left their family, their friends, their livelihood. My mom had to do her university degree all over because it wasn't Egyptians. The Egyptian degree wasn't recognized in the States for her to be a mm. registered dietitian. So like the amount of sacrifice they have to go through, you know, and seeing that as a child, you realize I really can't complain. I can't I can't mm. sit there and make excuses. I just got to do what I'm supposed to do. And that's it. So mm. I didn't have time to be a victim. I didn't have time to think about, oh, this is not fair and whatever. But I just got on with it, you know, and just dealt with the fact that maybe I was disadvantaged. Maybe I wasn't. I don't know. Um, looking back at it, yes, probably that was the situation. But um, I'm happy that my parents kind of just had that attitude. Just like, don't worry. Don't, don't even think about that. Just do your best yeah. and uh, the rest will uh, fall into place. Have you read the book David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell? Yeah. I love Malcolm Gladwell. Great book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, just as you were talking then, the whole premise of his book, wasn't it, was the the idea that um, people who take disadvantage and turn it into advantage for themselves. Uh, and he covers a lot of people like with dyslexia who end up disproportionate, a large portion of people who have dyslexia end up as entrepreneurs. And it's interesting how um, those experiences for you kind of shaped your your approach to just is no, we need to be different. We need we need to stand out. We need to, and that's okay. We just get on and do it, and and that shaped your entrepreneur sort of life. Um, this is the e-commerce podcast, so let's talk about e-commerce yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I'm just getting carried away, and all these just listening to your story is fascinating. Have you um, have you dabbled in the world of e-commerce? Yeah, I had my own uh, custom tailored clothing line. It was called Zenom Designs. I had that business for about four years. Uh, before I gave it up in uh, 2012. Uh, this was early days, it was 2008, 2012. This is before even Shopify or even WordPress at the time. I had a Magento site. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that you can really, if there's a need in the market, you can have a mediocre experience and people, because they're so desperate for what you have, they're willing to go through hoops to buy what you have. And that that's mm. the type of business I had. I had it. The, the the product was uh, men like me. I'm six five. It's very hard for me to buy a dress shirt in a in a department store. I can't go to Harrods or Macy's and buy a dress shirt. I I usually have to get a custom tailored or go to a special store, and it's never really perfect. So mm -hmm. I used to custom tailor my own clothing. Um, at the time when I was teaching, I was teaching in Dubai, and that was very normal to tailor your clothing in in Dubai. So I actually was. Uh, the that way that business started is that I would just wear the clothes that I would get tailored. And when I would go back home to the States to visit my family, my friends and family be like, oh, that's a really nice shirt. That's a really nice, uh, you know, uh, top you got there. You know, where'd you get it? It's like, oh, I actually made it myself. And then a couple of my friends would be like, oh, can you make me one? I was like, okay, you know, let me get your measurements, things like that. Um, I would ask the tailor, like, what do you, what do you need? What measurements do you need? Mm -hmm. um, and then that kind of snowballed to the, their their friends found out and they asked me to do it. And I realized, oh, this is a lot of work and maybe I should start charging for this. So I started a, yeah. a small e-commerce store where literally this was the process. And this sounds so archaic, but literally <laughs> people would download a PDF from the website that would have a cutout uh, tape measure where they put together and measure the the things I told them to measure, like their neck and their sleeves and their, you know, the wrist size and all that kind of stuff. And then um, they would email me their you know the their measurements and then i would custom they would choose from a few colors and then i would custom tailor it i would send it within two weeks they'd paypal me the money and and that's pretty much it that was that was the first version of it before i actually had a 
uh, you know, inventory and stock mm. and people would uh, order online and things like that. So uh, it was it was very humble days in the beginning. <laughs> That's quite fun, though, isn't it? And I, I, I remember with my own e-commerce journey, the sort of the humble days in the beginning. I quite like those, the madness of it all and the, just the figuring it out. And yeah. you, you do look back on it and you kind of go, there's no way that would work now. But that's okay. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I quite enjoy the fact that it it, it kind of did, you know. And um, it's just it's just it's interesting that it's simple things like a PDF download with a tape measure. Yeah. Um, that's that's quite insightful because actually you're going there's a problem that they they you know these guys are going they're not going to have a tape measure that the they whole, can yeah, use. So exactly. I'm just, really, I just uh, even simple things like that. I'm surprised how many sites don't do things like that in the modern day. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Just the simple yeah, kind it, of, you know, the, the ingenuity that you need now they have it like down to a science, you know, like they ask you your t-shirt size and they ask you like all the different brands that you've bought before and they match you to the size based on the brand sizing. And like, it's great. I mean, I, 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 I stalked a few custom tailored clothing lines and one of them was a sponsor of the show one time called, um, uh, they're called, uh, I forgot right now. I lost, I lost, I lost their name in their head, my head, but, um, they, um, proper cloth they are called proper cloth. And, um, okay. and, uh, they're just brilliant. Like now that they have an amazing experience, way better than what I had, but, um, I really enjoyed e-commerce. There's something about selling a physical product that's special, seeing it out in the wild, seeing somebody yeah. wear your clothing that you never met before or something that you've, you've created. Uh, there's something about the idea of exchanging goods for for money and then building that relationship and having them come back and and buy more from you. It, it's a different animal than software or services or things like that. And um, it, it, it's it's interesting because most people go into e-commerce in the early in their entrepreneurial career because that's what they've envisioned businesses like selling something for money. You know, like a, a yeah. physical thing for money. It's the one of the the oldest ways to sell or oldest ways to start a business. And, and there's something about that. That's very you know rewarding in my book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. So what happened to your um, e-commerce store to Zen home designs? Yeah. So this is a very interesting story because that experience really taught me. It's really important to know what business you're getting into before you start it. So I started, like I shared my story, why, how I started it, but why did I start it? It was just an opportunity. I just saw an opportunity in the market. I thought, this is cool. People want this. Let me try to make a business out of it. I was, you know, really interested in having a successful business. And that's unfortunately not a good enough reason to start a business, uh, in, in my opinion, at least, because... Like I said, you're going to be very, very close to these people. You're going to eat, breathe, live this every single day of your life. And if you don't love it, you're going to start resenting the business. And that's what happened to me. Um, I realized very quickly my customers were more passionate about my customer. My customers were more passionate about my products than I was. You know, they were eager to know what's the next style, what's the next things coming out. Oh, you know, let me know what's going on. And I'm like, I'm not even that hyped up about this. What's going on here? Um, and it taught me a big lesson about, you know, I really need to serve people that I'm already a part of that community. Like I'm not a fashion person. I'm not a fashion designer. I'm not somebody who's even like, you know, I put some thought into what I wear, but I'm not really, uh, you know, uh, cultivating a wardrobe, you know, but 
so what happened was really I decided that I wanted to just end the business because I had a lot of inventory. I sold it in, in bulk at trade shows. I was considering selling the business, but it was my own personal brand and they would need rebranding and it would devalue the whole thing if they took over and all that kind of stuff. And I was just at peace with the lesson I learned and I was at peace with the business. And what was shocking to me was I was so worried about closing the doors because I was like, oh man, people are going to you know, be upset and my customers are going to resent me and they're going to, you know, I'm really going to disappoint people. And that's really why I kept it going for as long as I did. And when I did close the doors, nothing happened. Everybody was okay. And they just went and found another solution or bought clothes somewhere else. And I realized, wow, like at the end of the day, people are just worried about themselves. They're not really worried about you. They're not really thinking about you. You might as well build mm -hmm. a business that serves you and your, your, your passions and your needs. Um, so that way, uh, you're actually happy in the process. So that was a big lesson for me. Now, you see, that's fascinating because one of the questions I get asked a lot, um, by, uh, e-commerce entrepreneurs is how do I know when, when it's not working? Right. Uh, because you do, there's a lot of, uh, uh, instruction is probably the right word. There's a lot of instruction out there about resilience, about keep going, you know, Edison, 10,000 tries and all. And so there's this belief that if I just keep going, if I just keep going, eventually breakthrough is going to come. And of course, you have to, there's a, a real interesting tension, isn't there, with this? Um, the persistence versus, versus knowing when actually to call it a day on whatever it is that you're facing. So for you, am I understanding this right? For you, you, you knew it was time to call it a day when um, it you just it wasn't there for you. There was a passion that just wasn't there for that business. It wasn't serving you. Yes, that, that that's a good way to put it. I would also just add. For me, I didn't feel like it was my calling. I didn't feel like I was doing what I was meant to do, or I was adding unique value to the world. I know that sounds grandiose, but like I really, I really felt like there were other people that could do this better. Now, I don't feel that way now about my business. I feel like this is what I should be doing. I'd be doing it anyway. You know, like um, yeah. a lot of people say, you know, you should just keep going. I, I say choose a business that you just can't stop. Like I can't not I can't imagine not doing what I do today. Like I would I would do it even if I didn't have to, you know, so in some form, in some in mm. some fashion. So that's that's really how i felt at the time where you know and i still feel that way but it, it is that the idea that i i want to be able to do something where i feel like when i'm all done and dusted and i'm I'm not in this world anymore i felt like i've left something that really made my mark i felt like i've left something that really has something of, of value to the world and i didn't feel like that was the thing for me and that's okay mm -hmm. sometimes you gotta fail sometimes you gotta fall on your face and and learn through mistakes and learn through those experiences. And I wouldn't take it away for a moment because uh, I learned some amazing things outside of the failure. Like I learned, you know, how to, you know, do my accounting and how to do my bookkeeping. I learned, you know, what customers need. I learned about copy. I started my blog the first time when I had that e-commerce store and I was doing, you know, uh, newsletters. And so there's things you learn along the way. Like when you leave a job, mm. you take skills from that old job. Same thing with an old business. So how would you define your business now? So, you, you know, you, you've got this business now, which is, is generating uh, this sort of life for you. You know, it's your calling, your sense of purpose, your mission, you know, all different types of language. How would you define it? What, what does it look like? 
for me, it, when people ask me, can you like boil down your bio in one word? And for me, it's uh, I've always been a teacher and that's what I do mm-hmm. now, but I just do it in the form of my business. You know, I, I teach on the podcast. I help people become great teachers through webinars, through our software. I teach on the webinars for our members and and through our sales uh, demos and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I teach my team when I'm coaching them and helping them and and through meetings and in our all hands or through evaluations if we're doing like one on ones. You know, so I just teach in different forms, and that's really that's been my calling all my life. I just want to do it on my own terms, um, and mm-hmm. I, entrepreneurship was that vehicle for me. And I'm really grateful for that, that I, I was able to kind of find that later in life and, and turn that into that. But for me, um, you know, I, I really want to empower as many people as possible to use their area of expertise or knowledge, their experience, even if it's just a bit of experience. You know, I always say it's easier mm-hmm. to learn something from somebody who's just a few steps ahead of you than somebody who mm-hmm. is, you know, years or decades ahead of you because, uh, they they remember how it is to be a beginner. A lot of people ask me, hey, I want to learn how to start a podcast. Like, man, I don't even remember, man, how to start a podcast. <laughs> you know, it's been eight years, you know, so it, the world was different back then when I started a podcast. Yeah, yeah. So ask somebody who started one last year or something, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, and, and I, I want to do that through, you know, our, our software over our internet, through the podcast and just help people take those first steps and realize maybe I can do this. Maybe I can build something for myself and and add value in my own way. So how would you um I I how would you take then that teacher within you and you look at the e-commerce market in general mm-hmm. um what is missing that you see from that that you that you feel like guys listen e-commerce entrepreneurs wake up oh there's God. an opportunity here yeah. go <laughs> and, I, I, and we have we have a lot of our uh, members at Webinar Ninja, a lot of our users of the software that are in e-commerce, and that's because they they've heeded to my advice. So I believe e-commerce uh, is there's so much opportunity when it comes to content marketing, when it comes to trust building, when it comes to teaching as the new selling. Uh, there's mm-hmm. so many people that come to me and they and and they say, oh, I sell custom. Uh, I sell organic honey from my honey farm on my e-commerce store, but I'm not really sure how to sell this thing or do, use webinars or use a blog. I was like, dude, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I should be finding out all the different ways I can use your honey with your honey cookbook, with your blog posts, mm-hmm. with your live honey cook show. Like, There's so many ways to use content. To show people how to use your product in different ways, and there's so and this is so underutilized, so underutilized, mm. and the bar is so low in e-commerce. If if your e-commerce store today uh, had a live video or webinar, had a q and A Q&A or something once a week, ask you showing people how to best utilize your products or services, uh, whatever your you know, even if you have a, a um, you know a varied store with different products, you can feature one product. This week, this week we're going to be talking about you know um, this product line that's in our store. Here are some of the great ways that people are using it. clothing. Here, here are some great you know, some of our customers. Let's look at the pictures they have on Instagram using our clothing. This person mm-hmm. wore it to the prom. This person wore it to a wedding. Whatever. There's so many ways to utilize this. And by the way, this is nothing new. It's called QVC. It's called Home Shopping Network. <laughs> right? This has been around forever. But and now you have the ability to do that live to you know thousands yeah. of people. 
uh, from the comfort of your living room if you wanted to, and you can share your screen and you can show your products in, in, in on the on the on the website. A lot of your customers kind of like your products. They've seen them on Instagram. They've seen them on the web. Maybe they've seen them on the website. But they just need to be walked through. Hey, this is actually quite simple. Did you know that if you buy three products, you get free shipping? Some people don't know. Tell them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So uh, one of the things I that really I did well in the beginning because I came from the blogging world when I went when my e-commerce store is um, I uh, actually used like a VIP club kind of model. So mm-hmm. the VIP club model is basically they pay an annual fee and it was like two hundred dollars a year. And they would get free shipping on all their products, but also they they were a part of a basically a community of basically super fans of our products. And people would these people have something in common. You can get them together on calls. You can get them together in forums. You can have them have special content that you ha- they have contact with you or ask you questions or learn more about what's coming next in your in your store. Uh, they get exclusive access or early access to your products. There's so many ways to turn your e-commerce store into a more than just a store. It's a community. It's a movement. People are just excited about what you have because you're you're not just showing them the product. You're showing them how to how it fits in, in their life. Yeah, that's really powerful. Teaching is a new selling. I like that. So, have you have you come across the concept live selling, um, which is the buzzword I hear a lot about now in in the world of e commerce? This, in effect, being QVC on your own website. Uh, people come to your website. There's a live stream going on. You have a question. You can interact with people. Um, it does seem to be a big thing. Um, so, in terms of content marketing, what are some of the easy ways to get started with that? Um, for an e-commerce entrepreneur? People really underutilize blogging. Blogging is still mm. one of the most powerful ways to get traffic to your website because of the power of SEO. Even though we're in the digital age with video and audio, uh, text SEO is still the most powerful way for people to find you. When people search, they type on Google um, for the most part. So uh, publishing really great articles on your blog as an e-commerce store and it's going to take some time for you to get momentum. It's, it's going to take more than two or three blog posts. I always say put in mm-hmm. put in at least a year of work once a week, a blog post. So you got 52 posts. I have blog posts that um, that served me that I wrote eight years ago, you know, that uh, didn't get traction until six or seven years after because it just takes mm-hmm. some time for things to kind of move on. Um, and that's not typical results. You probably can, you know, SEO often is, is the results are quicker. But the point here is, is that it's evergreen. You write it once and it mm-hmm. serves you for the rest of your life. Two, people don't just go from, I don't know anything about your product to I want to buy it now. There is a process of education. There's a process of them envisioning themselves and their lives with your product. You know, if you think about buying, if you bought anything, any physical product in your life, that you went through a process before you actually bought it. You know, even if it's something that you feel like a necessity, like an like a like a like the iPhone or like a mobile phone, right? At mm. some point, you evaluated your options, you looked at what's out there, you thought about which even which model do you want, uh, what do how much storage do I need? All these things are things are googling and things that you mm. can show up for in your own products or services in a blog post. And if you educate them, if you help them, they're going to be like, oh, cool. What else does this site have? They're going to look around. Oh, they have accessories for iPhones. 
cool. What, what do they have? Oh, when I get my iPhone, I'm going to definitely come back here. People don't want to shop around. They want to just go back to what yeah. they know. And this is an incredible way to get started. So just get consistent with blogging is my 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 personal opinion because it's very underutilized in e-commerce uh, as I see. I go to a lot of e-commerce stores because I like to shop online. And their blog is like an afterthought. It's like there's 12 posts yeah. and never really maintained. And 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 it's okay to have fun with it. Have some personality. One of the best pieces of advice I have for you is like find somebody who's funny on Twitter. Find a find a maybe a part-time comedian, somebody to stand up in your community and get them to write your blog mm-hmm. posts. Like get them to <laughs> copyright for you. They're gonna yeah. make your blog fun. People are gonna want to read your newsletters and be like, this is interesting, and it's gonna get you some free publicity. Yeah, it's very, very good. Very good. And just finding out the questions that people have and answering them in your blog post. Uh, just, it's a simple strategy. We've been uh, pounding that drum for years and it still works. It still works super well. Uh, Omar, listen, I have so enjoyed uh, conversation. I feel like I'm just getting started, honestly. I appreciate it's late for you and you've been doing podcasts all day. So you're, uh, you're getting towards the end of your day. Well, how do people connect with you? How do they reach out to you if they want to do that? What's the best way? Um, I'm most active on Twitter. Uh, my handle is the Omar Zenhome on Twitter, so you can find me there. Uh, follow me, I'll follow you back, and uh, love to help in any way. You can go ahead and uh, ask me questions there. You see, you're most active on Twitter. I find that's fascinating. Um, I'm I I'm not active on Twitter, and I really need to become more active on Twitter. How, when you say, are you like on there like three or four times a day? How are you how are you managing Twitter? I'm just curious. Yeah, uh, no, uh, totally. Like, so I actually like Twitter the most. I'm actually not on Facebook or or um I'm I have a profile, but it's not on my phone, and I'm I really don't mm-hmm. uh, frequent it a lot. I'm on Twitter maybe uh, three or four times a day. And the reason why I like Twitter is because I like conversations and it's all about conversations. It's all about helping and answering questions and and adding a different perspective on people's conversations. Uh, and it's just easier to for me to contribute because I don't have to, there's not a lot of production. You know, with Instagram, you got to mm. pick a photo and filter it and make it look nice and put a caption. And if you put a video, I got to put captions on that. It's like, it's, that I just I don't have time for that. So it's like, okay, Twitter, I can jump in, I can yeah. answer questions, I can type things. Uh, there's a lot of funny things out there. And it's all about who you follow. And I I, um, I highly recommend you just be very vigilant about who you follow. Follow people that you think have good conversations and, and are, are followed mm-hmm. by people that you like as well. And that uh, to me, it's it's the platform that I like to spend the most time on. Fair play. Yeah, fair play. I just, I've, I'd have thought for sure you'd have been an Instagram Reels kind of a guy. I'd have thought you'd have killed it on that. But, you know, never mind. <laughs> so we will put a link to Omar's Twitter bio in the show notes as well. If you want to connect with him, he would love to connect with you. Uh, so, Omar, from me to you, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. My pleasure, man. So there you have it. What a fantastic conversation. Omar's a legend, isn't he? Absolutely brilliant. Really, really, really enjoyed that one. So thanks again, Omar, for joining me. You're a legend. And also, let me give a big shout out to today's show sponsor, e-commerce cohort. Uh, do head over to ecommercecohort.com for more information about this new type of mastermind slash community slash online learning slash all the things you need to grow your business online. Yeah, go ahead, learn, join, we'll see you in there. Uh, But do subscribe also uh, wherever you get your podcasts from because we've got some great conversations lined up and I do not want you to miss 
any of them. And in case no one has told you today, you, my friend, are awesome. Now, the e-commerce podcast is produced by Orion Media. You can find our entire episode, uh, our entire episode back catalog. I I think that sounds right in my head. (laughs) Basically, all the episodes we produce, they're online. Uh, You can find them on your podcast app. You can also find them on our website, ecommercepodcast.com. Net. Now, the team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bainon, Josh Catchpole, Estella Robin, and Tim Johnson. Our theme song is written by me and my son, Josh Edmondson. And if you would like to read the transcript or show notes, head over to our website, ecommercepodcast.net, where you can also sign up for our newsletter. So that's it from me. Thank you so much uh, for joining me today. Have a fantastic week. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.